trapped a bunch of aging role-playing gamers in their homes, forcing them to crawl out of their pen and paper comfort zone and into the online world of virtual tabletops and video calls. To join them as they raise the curtain to share their stories, insights, and love all things geek. To grab your long sword and your plus one bottle of Viagra and get ready for another episode of Advanced Age Role-Playing Gamers Podcast. That's a lot of syllables for one sentence. Hello and welcome to the Advanced Age Role-Playing Gamers Podcast. I'm Nathan and this is... Matt. <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. You know, usually we're, we're an actual play podcast, right? We're, right now we're playing Twilight 2000, that we're branching out a little bit and, and doing some more things. And and so we've got our, our first big-time interview from a, a, a true... Uh, True RPG celebrity. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Uh, this That's is, yeah, silliness. Mitchell Wallace from uh, Penny for a Tale. Uh, and uh, so he's got a, a Kickstarter going right now, a game called Necrobiotic. And it's a role-playing game set in the grim future where uh, people, the dead, uh, animated dead, I guess, uh, share the world. Uh, so without further ado, uh, welcome to the show. Um, so uh, Mitchell, do you want to... Start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and Penny for a Tale. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I am Mitchell Penny for a Tale on all social medias. Uh, it's pretty much where you can find me. Um, not only do am I the chief creative director over at Penny for a Tale LLC, but I'm also the marketing director for Helmgast, which produces cult and uh, neotech troubleshooters, as well as uh, marketing director for Black Void Games, which, of course, produces Black Void. Um, other than that, I've written for like Shadows Over Saul, uh, as well as for the new Fragged Empire Second Edition, I did art direction for Flames of Freedom, the mm-hmm. new Zweihander, like Hamilton esque uh, TTRPG uh, that came out, I think, earlier this year, maybe uh, later last year. Time is um, Panini. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, during the Panini. Um, and so now uh, we are, are trying our hand at publishing a TTRPG, which is uh, Necrobiotic, uh, which I am super excited about. Yeah, uh, I backed it. Um, but uh, yeah, so, uh, so first off, uh, congrats! It's it's actually successfully funded. Uh, last I checked, it was about like creeping up towards three hundred and fifty percent funded, which is awesome. I mean, your first Kickstarter out of the gate. I, mean, that's, I know, right? <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and, and looking at it, I, like I one of the things I you know I already knew from from playing games with you before and talking to you before uh, that you you backed a lot of kickstarters but but looked on there and you backed 131 that, that's, that's, oh man i was hoping you wouldn't look at that don't look at my backers uh you know uh, you gotta dig with this invest deep investigative type oh, reporting that we're doing here we people need the truth <laughs> I mean, just don't I, like oh man just don't I, mention it thursday nights during the the oh, game yeah. i don't want to be judged <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's. Uh, I thought I was like doing a lot. I've got like fourteen, which I, I thought, but oof, man, um, yeah, my, wife, my wife would be having a talk with me. <laughs> oh yeah, I, uh, <laughs> if it if it wasn't for this being like my job, your job, sure, yeah, 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 it wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> but, but the thing about it is, it's really good though. I mean, you're 
you're not just out there kind of you know, in, for, in for yourself. You're supporting a lot of independent creators, you know, like yourself. Um, so, like, first question before we get into Necrobatic, I was thinking, like, you know, over the past year or two, what what have been your favorite Kickstarters that you've backed? Ooh, all right. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my uh, my backed <laughs> ones. Um, luckily, I have right here. So Parslings uh, was a TTRPG. I don't think I had the opportunity to back it, but um, I did. Uh, I was in a campaign uh, for it for about ten sessions on Weave the Tale, and that was an interesting TTRPG. It's another card based TTRPG. Oh, okay. Um, so very interesting. I thought it was very clever by Smunchy Games. Uh, definitely check it out uh, if you if you want to. Uh, Gods of Metal Ragnarok uh, by Ivan Norman. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Like I was like, this sounds awesome. Hey, and you're talking it's ever- <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's perfect, and they even have like a soundtrack for it. It's just like heavy metal and stuff. So it's it just like it speaks to me in so many ways. Um, other than that, I think like Wander Home was really cool because I think it was one of the first times I saw uh indie TTRPG uh designer um hit that kind of three that six digit um uh revenue on, on Kickstarter, which was super cool. J Dragon does a lot of great work, and so it was really cool seeing that happen. Um, and then recently into the motherlands, um, is I, I, I think it might be like one of the i think it's definitely the most successful um all poc created ttrpg game hmm. uh, so into the nether into the motherlands an original afro futurist uh, oh, yeah, TTRPG. I, I one, yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're they've they've breached six figures and they're coming up uh uh past uh 200,000 so it's really cool to see that and, and obviously i'm a backer and yeah, it's just all a lot of creative things uh, happening despite uh, the pandemic and and maybe even because of it. But who knows? That's that's terrific. Uh, so Matt, you want to go up uh, next? Yeah, sure. No, was, we've all seen the uh, tagline. Uh, this is necrobiotic. But um, for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit more about what necrobiotic is? Yeah, necrobiotic um, is is a melancholy TTRPG. Um, set in the year 2100 after humanity has limped forward, um, births have declined, deaths have increased, uh, and thus all that remains are those people uh, in behind the walls of Florence. Um, and they are only able to survive because they figured out a way via science and thermodynamics and steampunk stuff uh, to reanimate the dead and program them to perform the manual labor of society. Um, and so you have this very interesting world where death is prevalent and walks by you and takes care of many of the functions. Um, humanity's future is still a question mark. And there's mm-hmm. just kind of this this sense of melancholy that I, I think everyone can relate to now more than probably <laughs> before because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so it's just... One of my favorite parts about it is because of kind of that that shadow. It definitely illuminates uh, the candles um, and the like the stories of hope that you can tell within it. So it's been really fun playing some or running some one shots with it. So. Yeah. yeah, I think we've all had a little touch of dystopian uh, that maybe oh, we didn't yeah. have uh, 18 <laughs> months ago. Um, I guess just real quick on this. So what role do the dead play in the game? So they're not player characters, but they're always around. Right. Yeah. 
in in and about the world? Have they kind of taken on the jobs? I think I was listening to one of the um, one of your uh, 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 gosh, I can get this wrong. One of the uh, actual plays where they were mm-hmm. talking about like the farms, right? The laborers. Yeah. So I guess yeah. So how do you see like the players interacting, or what's sort of the dead kind of role do they play? Yeah, the so there's kind of two different avenues, three different avenues for the dead, one of which there is a stretch goal to play a construct. Oh, um, okay. So that's a little bit further on, and we're going to be including that within the core rule book. Uh, it's supposed to be a rare thing, but we do want our players, if they want to explore it, uh, to explore it if they want. Um, the other avenue is that uh, there's always that question, uh, because most of the book is written as an interview between two different people talking to each other um and so we like to think of it as an unreliable narrator um and they say you know the constructs have are devoid of all life um but we want the players to to have that question in their mind like is it really devoid of all life um an actual play i was doing the other day like a construct started crying and that started that just shook everyone's foundation because potentially you could have a whole subsect of humanity enslaving people and not allowing them to rest uh which is a whole another like mind thing that that people have to deal with um and then the the third function of the construct i think just kind of reinforces the um the sense of loss um it's why I, I kind of struggle with the word of post-apocalyptic uh, with the with necrobiotic. Sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't, because it's, there's still society. Um, you have wonders, uh, you have um, law and stuff like that, and for the most part, like the people in Florence, they're okay, right? They're, they're okay right now, mm-hmm. um, but the the constructs serve as a reminder that things were much better uh, in, a, in a bygone era and that, um, you know, in the end, your body will, is not your own. It's the legal property of uh, the Citadel afterwards um, and not being able to kind of bury your dead or uh, do all the ceremonies that, you know, humanity's used to that kind of helps them through the whole grieving process. Yeah. Um, so just kind of those three functions. It's all just very like melancholy. I think it's probably the best word I, I like describing it uh, because I'm a huge fan of it in, in stories and such. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that, that makes me think about things like, you know, what happened if you see like a, like a, a dead loved one, you know, carrying you know uh stacks of wood or something like i mean that that would be pretty jarring um, yeah so there's like, lots of opportunities for it's terrifying and <laughs> you know in in humanity does a lot to kind of uh remove the dead from everyday life um i mean even our graveyards are usually set aside in different places and so having death as a constant reminder on a day-to-day basis is it, it really it's very interesting seeing players interact with that and and how they kind of respond to it yeah so that sounds pretty compelling so um I, i've heard a little bit about this but uh if you could kind of tell you know our, our listeners uh like how you uh how you 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 found this game and how this whole project got started that would be that's a really good story so. oh yeah it was my 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 friend and business partner mr smith went 
to Italy on vacation. Uh, he went to the Italian game store called Stratagema, uh, which I th- is is tied with the oldest oldest game store in Italy. Um, and he picked up. Uh, I think I actually have it right here. Yeah, he he picked up this game, El Dronagio. Uh, which translate roughly to like gear uh, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the owners of the bookstore actually are the ones who created it, uh, created the TTRPG. It's based off of uh, Valerio, uh, who is also one of the creators, his books, which are written in Italian. I think there's about five out there, uh, which kind of follow the whole plot line uh, beginning to end. Um and so he brought it back and he's like, hey, you should translate this and, and learn how to play it. Um, I'm not good right, with languages. I tried it. I was like, nah. And so I, I messaged uh, Andrea, who is uh, kind of one of the main guys uh, over there at Stratagema. Uh, and I was like, hey, can you run this for me on my channel? And he did. And I really liked it. Uh, and so I just poked him for like the next year. And I was like, <laughs> Can I bring it to English, please? Uh, until he was like, yeah. I was like, sweet. Uh, and that just became like the, that was the start of the journey of um, bringing Necrobiotic uh, to life. That's really cool. I mean, that's, I mean, you think about like all this like serendipity about, about you know, it just happens like a, a friend of yours going to England on vacation runs into this game that is made by the people that run the store. Yeah, brings it back to you, who's like, you know, this is you know, you've been writing for some RPGs and things like that, and and you you know, you know a year later you've got this Kickstarter that's successful, and like, and now you're here with us, and we just started at this this. Our, our podcast and uh, on April Fool's Day this year, so like it's <laughs> fitting, like yeah, it's just it's all kind of yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty yeah, neat. a lot of coincidences kind of thrown together to to bring mm-hmm. us to this one point. Uh, yeah, it, it's it was interesting today. I was doing another push for uh, marketing for the DTRPG, um, and just going back through all my contacts and people I've gotten to know over the years um, while I was streaming and interviewing and stuff like that, and just being like, hey. You know, I I helped you with your Kickstarter. Can you help me with mine? <laughs> uh, and, and they've been really nice. It's just really cool to see like that whole road and and where it leads. Yeah, it, it makes you wonder how many other like hidden gems are out there, right? Because mm-hmm. we we go to our own local game store, and so we can find mainstream games, indie games. But like you said, your friend was over there. Like how many other places have got some of this, you know, creative talent that we haven't even tapped into. That's pretty cool that you're able to bring that here to yeah. the audience. You know, that's pretty cool. Make, make, makes you want to go and like start, fly, go to Europe, <laughs> start searching game stores. Right? Gonna try, you know, exactly right like there's so much interesting stuff i mean the genesis is one of my favorite ttrpgs and they're they're german uh and not much people in the the west even though it's english know about it um there's been a a surgence of italian ttrpgs being translated into english like within the last year and a half lex arcana um like wreck something uh and there's a few others that i I can't quite remember um and and even like uh japan right you got ryutama uh, shinobigami uh kakigumari or something like that it just came out on kickstarter i think two years ago 
Um, but yeah, you get to see like all these cool, like different perspectives of game design and storytelling. Um, and it's just really beautiful and gorgeous to see it kind of all to come together. I can't wait to like play all the games. <laughs> if there was enough time, you know, in the day, then you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all we'd be doing. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, so what really drew you in with the game? So you, you had it in your, in your, in your, in your hands, like what really kind of said, I, I got to play this game. There were two things that spoke to me. One was the dead, right? I, I love the creepiness of constructs. Um, I'm a huge fan of horror. And so having having that as a backdrop, just, oh, there's so much you can do with it. And I, I've I've ran, I think, two horror games within Necrobiotic, and I've, I've enjoyed it because it can get really creepy. Um, and then the second thing was the use of cards. Um, I, I really enjoy card based TTRPGs just mm-hmm. because you can customize it. Um, and the fact that your deck equals your character sheet. So I, I always like okay. my, my absolute daydream is for like players to come to Gen Con with their like, with their character in like a deck and like throw down, like they're going to a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Like, let's do this. I've, I'm my character from back home. My guy brought him. Let's do it. Um, and it just people seeing people interact like that. Like I always love the, the, the look and feel of cards and even playing it. I enjoy more than rolling. So yeah, it just kind of spoke to me in that. Yeah. We, we, we played another uh, card game. Uh, Shadows yeah, Shadows over Soul. Over Soul. Yeah, you, they just finished uh, their latest Kickstarter. I think Jovian Whispers, uh, which was pretty that. cool. Huh. Yeah, yeah. It, it's I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think I wrote some of some parts of it, uh, or at least gave some ideas. Left but. my character out. Thank you very much. So. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. That was Flames of Freedom. <laughs> and <laughs> I, next time, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna have a campaign that's just you. All right, I appreciate. Yeah. That. <laughs> uh, so, so Matt, what, what was you? He had oh no, I just yeah. So so the card mechanic is very interesting. I mean, so when you say like the deck of cards is uh, somebody's character sheet, so I, I think uh, from listening through some of the actual plays, I think I've got the mechanics down. It's very different than I'm used to. But do you mind just maybe explaining just a little bit out there for folks who aren't as familiar who are used to just rolling dice? Oh yeah, of course. Um, so. Uh, uh, your character sheet, for the most part, is broken up broken up into like two attributes or features: uh, flesh, steel, steam, and gear. And each of those correspond to a suit. Uh, so, flesh is heart. Uh, that's kind of like your social. Steel is diamonds, uh, which is your your physicals. Steam is mentals for your clubs, and then gear is like the thing that makes you super special. Your training uh, clubs, like I said. Um, and, and yeah, so um, you, you kind of just put those cards together based on like how much uh, how much value you have in those. And that kind of makes the basis of your, your card deck. Uh, and during play, uh, the first day you take a breath. Everyone needs to take a breath together. So you draw up the six cards in your hand and you get to see those cards. And it's almost like when you wake up in the morning and you can kind of feel how many spoons you have for the day. Like you look at the cards, and you're like, you know what? I'm not talking to anyone today. Today's not my talking day. I don't want to talk <laughs> to anyone. It's not going to be successful. Um, you can look at your hand and be like, okay, I understand what I can accomplish with this breath. And uh, during the day, whenever something happens, the the machinist will provide consequences. 
um, to a certain action. So if you're jumping from one building to the next, the consequences would be like falling uh, and taking damage. Two separate consequences. Um, steel uh, would obviously be the, the physical trait to jump over. And then um, the skill would be athletics. If you're trained in it, you can play two cards. If you're not, you can only play one card. And what you're looking for is a suit that matches the action. So for physical, it's diamond. Um, that provides one success. Or you're looking for a uh, an eight or multiples of eight. Um, and that provides another success. So you, you kind of dictate how important this is to you. And you have that conversation with the GM. And uh, it's just kind of this... Instead of a uh, a kind of a, a lucky roll, the the whole day more so comes to uh, more of a strategic resource management. As you you know what cards you have in your hand, and you want to save the ones that you know will be useful later on. Um, and of course, you can always take another breath, but um, then you discard a card and you draw back up to six. So it kind of moves the deck along. Um, so it just creates kind of this little interesting um, relationship with with the whole story. Yeah, it sounds interesting. The idea that you kind of you kind of know what you're going to be good at or not good at, and sort of kind of guides you into your actions. Right? It's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, and it also allows like even if you even if you're you don't do socials at all, like you you may have one one or three cards in your whole deck. Um, you at least know if you pull a heart and you have it in your hand, you know, you're going to be successful at one social encounter that day, at least. Um, so, so no more of that, like barbarian, don't talk to anyone. You're going to mess <laughs> it up. Uh, yeah, at least get one chance. Uh, use it, use it wisely. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got to, got to count. Yeah. I can see, uh, players using that basically, uh, having it change the way that they uh, attack a problem. Like, uh, you know, maybe they're used to using like your bearing example, uh, brute force. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, well, you know what? Uh, today, you know, I've, I've, um, I'm smart today. I'm super smart today. And I'm going to, I'm going to puzzle this, this uh, solution out. So it kind of, kind of forces you to kind of get outside your, maybe your comfort zone a little bit. So that's, that's kind of neat. Yeah, and I think it kind of reflects that we we kind of are different people some days, you know, just based on how we wake up and how we feel like, uh, you know, not every day is, is someone like the super charismatic social person. Sometimes you're just like, you know what, I'm done with people. Uh, and so you can look at your cards and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with people today. I want to punch something. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so um, so I guess for kind of working down to so the game mechanics. So, what kind of um, kind of characters can people play? Are there like archetypes or, or classes or, or you know? Yes, uh, we have five archetypes or jokers as we call them. Um, the first one is the architect, and they are the ones who are really good. They're, they're the ones who program the constructs. Um, they're the ones who extend life and can pretty much put anything back together. Um, there are the technosophists who look at the old world, like the old electronics and computers and stuff like that, that's been discarded by humanity because it's just not useful anymore. Uh, and they, they try to find a use of it. Uh, there's a techno fence, which are part of the techno powered military division in Florence, uh, who, who each one of them has like iron man 
armor uh, with like huge blades and, and blades that come out of the wrists and everything. It's just super cool. Um, and then you have the engineer who's in charge of all kind of the, the modern technology, which is steampunk uh, in design. Um, and then finally, I know I'm missing. Wait, did I did I get all five? Uh, Architect, engineer, uh, technosophist, technophant. Uh, and militia. Militia was the last one. Militia mm-hmm. has replaced uh, all of the law in the land. So they they protect the law. They uh, detain people. They prosecute people. They investigate people. Uh, they they kind of hold hold the whole law gambit right there. So Judge that's all Dredd on their shoulders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Judge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you've been running this a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. About like, I think four times a week or, or three times a week since the <laughs> beginning of the Kickstarter. Uh, so so if you had a chance to play, what, what kind of what kind of archetype do you what kind of Joker would you play? So I, I <laughs> I've only played the game two times. The first one was, of course, when Andrea ran it for me. And yeah. then last week I was on top shelf and they ran the game for me and yeah. I chose the techno font. Uh, because I really wanted to run around in Iron Man-esque armor. Um, I was like blowing through buildings and, and such. Yeah, it was just, it was so action-packed. I, I was like letting loose. It was very That's cathartic. Awesome. <laughs> it's going to depend a lot on the, the, the GM, but what, what kind of adventures do you, do you see like most people kind of being drawn to out, out of the gate? Yeah, I think people are going to be really drawn to the wilderness outside of the walls. Um, Mm. Florence doesn't really know much about what's happening with the rest of humanity. Um, So I see a lot of investigation regarding that and seeing kind of what the post-apocalyptic landscape looks like. Um, After that, I think a lot of kind of politics within the Citadel itself. Uh, I've seen people kind of uh, seeing the Citadel as a... Uh, more of a, a big brother type, and, and so mm-hmm. kind of fighting against that. Um, there's also stories concerning the constructs, whether they're real uh, people or not. Um, and, and then kind of one of my my favorite things is just kind of the, the simple uh, stories of um, kind of caring for each other. So uh, the other the other game I ran uh, a couple, maybe it was only a couple days ago, um, the whole mission was them just delivering a bear um, to uh, another person within the city of Florence um, that a mother who died wanted to give her daughter that she never got to meet. And that was just kind of the whole investigation was trying to figure out where this bear went to, which the climax was finally giving it to the daughter who had grown up. And it was just sweet and, and nice and stuff like that. And so it was really cool seeing that. Adorable. I know, right? <laughs> It was so cute. It does seem to to lend itself to multiple like styles, right? So, like you said, you could play a bunch of folks running around in power armor, blasting through stuff, you know. Or, yeah, I definitely like I think the couple of the actual plays that I've listened to had a very to me it was like a mixture of sort of the steampunk, very film noir, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a lot of investigation, you know. It's kind of a, an interesting setting. It definitely has that muted, almost picture it in my head like in black and white. Almost oh, with yeah, that subdued yeah. color, not not bright at all. Like in my head, as I'm, you know, listening to these things. 
Oh uh, yeah, definitely it would definitely be muted like noir. I think is a great like take to it. I mean, I think of like Blade Runner and stuff in in terms of like the the synthetics, and I think that has a a very good parallel to the story of the construct. Um, yeah. yeah, a little bit reminded me of uh, Detroit. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, being Detroit, human, right? Yeah, they're, they're yeah. Whole very, they're all around you. You know, are they real? Mm-hmm. Are they not? Yeah, no. I I thought that was a really cool thing with uh, Necrobiotic, the dead. Like, that's why I was wondering, like, what's their role? Because I see them as like, do I have this person like serving me dinner? You know, (laughs) know, it's like taking care of my children. You know, it's like this. Yeah, yeah. My my favorite is the coffee construct with like the carafe in the in the boiler in its chest (laughs) cavity. So you just like, you know, when you need a coffee, it just pulls it out of his chest cavity, pours it, puts it back in for nice warmth. uh, Which is like that's not perfect. I need one of those. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great because, uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of horror. And one actual play, we did a horror uh, episode, which I was super excited about, uh, where a uh, a construct that was given the programming of being a maid or a, a caretaker of children uh, kind of had some loose programming and thus started killing all the parents and taking all of the children. Um, and so they had to fight like this huge human centipede like construct with all these babies like uh, held with all these arms. And it was it was horrific because they had to like not only fight this thing, but also like be careful not to hurt the babies. And <laughs> it was a whole thing. <laughs> oh, man, I, I can see that how that could go wrong and, and, and really fun. Amusing yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I love horror and there's definitely uh, if you like horror, there, there's so much uh, to play with there. <laughs> so uh, think about uh, what Matt was just talking about, uh, looking at the art for this thing. So the, the art is definitely has like the, kind of a macabre steampunk feel to it, but still kind of soft and it's not like scary scary it has a mood to it but there's still like a softness to it so you can see that the constructs you kind of like especially with the the cover you have uh for the kickstarter with, with the mm-hmm. with the huge eyes you, you kind of feel like uh you know this is you know you definitely feel like oh you're gonna there's feel something sorry in for there them. Yeah. yeah there's something else in there right? <laughs> kind of, that pulls that empathy heartstring uh so uh, I really like the art for this, and you've been sharing a lot of the art on on Twitter and, and some other places, and and it's coming together. Like if you said like this is going to be uh, an animated series on, on Netflix next year, it's like I was like, oh yeah, it, it, that looks like it, it could be. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome! It's it's our artist is also an animator, uh, so it's like it's hmm. really good. It's really good. <laughs> What's their name? Haley Lee. Yeah, she lives in uh, China. She's from South Korea. Um, does amazing work. Like, I am always blown away. And, like, I, I'm i at this point now where I'm like, just do what you feel is best for this this yeah. piece. Like, uh, <laughs> and she, she always knows best. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's pretty good. I mean, that, and, and, you know, growing up uh, on, uh, going to the library for, for sci-fi and fantasy books. That's how you choose. That's how you used to choose a book. It's like, you look at the cover and then you bring it home and you read it, you know? And that's uh, so. Yeah. You judge a book by its cover. I, I don't I know do. why people say don't do right. it because yeah. we do it yeah. all the time. <laughs> I, I do it all the time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, any supplements you're thinking on down the road, maybe like a necrobiotic charm city. 
Oh my gosh. There is. So I, I have a three year plan in my head and that's next year, uh, releasing the dream theater, which is the sequel to, uh, the core rule book. Um, that provides a little bit more setting material as well as some adventures. Um, we also have like, uh, we, we tease it as one of our stretch goals, the merchants of Florence, uh, or really the merchants of Venice, um, which is there's some people from Venice in Florence who who stay undercover and such like that. Um, and so, like I said, like the game is based on a, a set of novels that have that went from the beginning, pretty much where our campaign starts all the way to the end to its resolution. And there's so much in between it that we can use for supplements to expand the world, uh, different archetypes, worlds, cities, different ways to how people navigated death. Um, there's so much, uh, that we want to bring, uh, to the front that I, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I'm really excited to see any of the supplements you do with the, uh, playing a construct. I mean, if nothing else, at least it's good to know if you die, you could always be back in the party again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Making coffee and, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in that, that brings like a, that's a whole campaign right there is trying to figure out a way for your friend to continue living as a construct without being like dissected or, or put down. Um, yeah, it's just, that, that's, that's, that's a stretch goal. I'm very excited about. Cause I think people are going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Hey, Kirk, get over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Matt, do you have any other? No, that's it. I, I, I was, questions? Yeah. That's, that's all the questions <laughs> I've got. Uh, any any final words for us, Mitchell? Anything else that we need to know? Oh, um, I would say uh, for people watching, definitely check out the Kickstarter. Like I said, there's there's a construct which is super cool. There's another Joker called the Children of the River, uh, who are a religious faction able to do minor miracles. Uh, mm-hmm. So we get a little bit of mysticism into the setting. Uh, we also have some really cool stretch goal writers, including Petronalo, who created uh, Cult Fourth Edition, uh, and Matthew Dawkins, who wrote for most part uh, World of Darkness. Especially mm-hmm. they came from the grave and a lot of vampire. Um, so uh, yeah, <laughs> that and like all these other amazing stretch goal writers. So you know, the the more people believe it now, the better the final product will be. And and that's kind of our hope and dream for people to put it on their bookshelf, show their friends, hit their friends with it, make them constructs, uh, and get that coffee. That's right. <laughs> uh, oh, perfect. Well, thanks for spending time with us. This is really good. Good catching oh, up uh, too. It's, it's like I a, know, right? <laughs> uh, I miss uh, gaming with you. So hopefully, you know, this thing is open up. We'll, we'll get that chance again real soon. I would love that. Um, but uh, hey, it was uh, great meeting you. Thanks for uh, sitting down with us. No, this is really cool. I've, I've enjoyed the actual plays, and I was uh, reading through the, um, the yeah. quick start rules. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's all. I'm humbled. This is really cool. Five hundred percent. Here we come. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> meet all the meet all the. Stri- yeah, got to get the construct stretch going. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, we yeah. we have to. We we need it so badly. I have the rules as like a Google Drive folder, so it's either I only I get to play with it, or everyone else gets to play with it. It's your choice. Awesome. Uh, all right, thanks, Mitchell. Uh, yeah, look no forward problem. to hearing from you again soon. <laughs>